1: Spirit and take it
0: Are you ready to hear a straight message from the Holy Spirit? These are very difficult times that we live in. There is confusion on every side. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress, and today we need to make real progress in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your heart and in mine. I believe the dreams that Pastor Dana has been having are real. I believe that we are watching as utter corruption is exposed in America. I stand by faith for what he has said will happen. Go to Dana Coverstone if you'd like those messages or go to the October 15 broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress and you will hear exactly what I'm saying. I know it is time to stand by faith for what the Lord said would happen in America with this election. I am doing that. But I am now moving beyond that. The Spirit has some very specific things to say to the church. And I'm going to share with you exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And frankly, it's frightening. I'm going to begin in the book of Luke, in the third chapter. The word of God came to John the Baptist. He was out in the desert, in a desert community. He then went to all of the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for a removal of sins. That word removal is translated in some Bibles as forgiveness, a, a repentance for a baptism of repentance for a forgiveness of sin. But the word in the Greek is Aphemy, and it literally means not just to forgive but to remove. As it stands written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, A voice of one crying out in the desert, You must prepare the way of the Lord, for you must make his paths straight. Every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be leveled off, And the crooked will be made into a straight path, and the rough roads as smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is now coming to the church, and I'll show you this in a moment. The Lord is now coming to the church and saying, It is time for you to repent. It is time to make the path of the Lord straight. It is time to fill in every rough place in your life. It's time the mountains be leveled off, the mountains of sin. It's time for those rough places to be made smooth. It's time for you to come into the repentance for the forgiveness of your sins, for the removal of all sin from your life that you be given a pure and clean heart that you can walk before god not with imputed righteousness but with imparted righteousness real righteousness now he was saying to the multitudes coming out to be baptized by him o offspring of snakes who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. In fact, you must produce fruit worthy of repentance, and may you not begin to say within yourselves, we have a father Abraham. He is coming today, again, a voice in the wilderness, and he is saying to the church, produce fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, if you've repented, prove it with your with your action, what you do. Don't say, oh, I've been a member of the church for years. I'm forgiven. Do you walk in sin? Yes. But I'm working on it. No. You don't have a pure heart. Verse 9, And even now the axe is laying at the root of the trees, so every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He is referring to hell. John the Baptist is saying that if you continue to walk in rebellion against the Most High God, if you continue to walk in friendship with the world, the axe of God is already at the root of your life, and you will be removed. We need to hear this today in the American church. This is very, very serious. Now he continues, I am baptizing you with water. But the one mightier than me is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie, he himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whose winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor and will gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire never to be put out. The chaff in the church today are those of you who say, I am saved, but you have not been saved from your sin. You still walk in disobedience. Now I can almost hear the radio clicking off because you don't want to hear this straight word of John the Baptist or the straight word of Jesus. We have a made up religion in America that justifies a false assurance. Of salvation it's time for us to hear what the Spirit is saying and it's very sobering in the book of Revelation and I love Revelation because it is the direct word of the Living God the resurrected Christ I love the writings of the Apostle Paul the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John. I love the letters to the churches, but I love even more the letters that Jesus dictated in the book of Revelation. They are given short shrift in the American church, but they are the actual words of Jesus, for he dictated these letters to these seven churches to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. Now, let me share with you this is Revelation, the first chapter. Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Edition. Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, The seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The word angel in the Greek simply means messenger. So I have no doubt he is speaking here about the pastors of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now in these seven letters... He says many things, but one of the key things he says is that if you do not listen, he will remove the lampstand from your church. He has done that to many churches in America. Oh, they have a wonderful program. They say they have the best children's program, they have the friendliest congregation, they have wonderful concerts and outreach ministries and all kinds of things going on. But they are not obedient to the word of the Lord. The pastor still teaches that you can walk in sin and still be saved. There is no call to honest repentance. I'm going to talk about that this week. The greatest fear I have is the Lord God of heaven removing the lampstand from the National Prayer Chapel or removing the lampstand, the fire, from the church you attend. He begins in chapter 2 with the dictated letters. Now, we're not going to go through all of the content of each of these letters. He has very specific information that is helpful to every church. While I still believe that the last church is also today's church, Laodicea, lukewarm, thinking they are well-fed, rich and in need of nothing. But there are two things he says to every church. It seems to me that if he says this to every church that he writes to in Revelation, we should perhaps listen carefully because he is probably saying the same thing to the church today, as well as, individual church addressing the concerns they have the first thing that he says to every one of these seven churches is found in chapter 2 verse 7 this is revelation chapter 2 verse 7 he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To every church, he says, To he who overcomes. Now, just by definition, the word overcome involves conflict. It means that something is against you. It means you have to fight for what is right. It means if you don't achieve what God has called you to achieve, the curse of God will be on you and on your church. And the lampstand will be removed. And your church will be left with entertainment, with concerts, with programs. But you will not have the presence of God. Oh, you may have a kundalini spirit. You may have shaking and dancing, and you may have people falling down, and you may have... But you know what? If you read carefully, particularly among Catholics, the the exorcist, They will tell you that people who are possessed of demons speak in tongues. They will tell you that they fall down. The same signs you see that you think are evidences of the Holy Spirit is evidence of evil spirits. So we need to be extremely careful what we say and recognize that the true sign of the Holy Spirit is repentance and the removal of all sin. So, to every church that he writes to in the book of Revelation, they are told, you must overcome. Now, causes me to be very sober because in none of these letters does Jesus indicate in any manner, even hinting at that your sin is covered by grace. True repentance, evidence of the Spirit, is righteousness. It's repentance. We don't serve a happy spirit. We serve a holy spirit, a holy God, a holy Jesus. To him who overcomes not to him who has imputed grace. Never once is imputed grace referred to in these letters. And we know when Jesus came, turn and see if I can find it, as Jesus went out to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, he went out. I'm turning to it quickly so I can read it for you so that you can actually hear what the Spirit is saying. Take me a minute to look it up. You can look it up. He says very clearly that when Jesus went out to preach, here it is, Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, you must repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. You must repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. That word again leads us to aphemy, the removal of all sin. So when we come to the first part, it's obvious there must be an overcoming of darkness in our hearts. Now, I want to just share quickly. I listened to an internationally known evangelist just finished last week a series of meetings in Fresno. And he said in his interview that more than 1,000 people were saved and were born again. Broke my heart. Because I know it's not true. How do I know that? Well, I know to be born again does not simply mean praying, Lord, forgive me for my sin. To be saved from your sin, you have to die out to it. You have to be crucified with Christ. Now, John Wesley, in his wonderful wisdom and direction by the Lord, set a plain bench in the front of his church. Every church where he went to preach And he called it the mourner's bench. Now, the mourner's bench was a place where you sat during the service under deep conviction. And you began to mourn for your wickedness, for your sin. And it was the teaching of the Methodist church And I believe it was biblically correct that it was necessary for you to die out to that sin. All sin. That did not happen in five minutes. It did not happen with a little sinner's prayer. Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. Thank you. I'm saved now. Wrong. That's simply a vaccination against the gospel of Jesus to fool you into believing that you have been saved when in fact, most who go through that experience, I know of one exception. You are not saved. I know that there is a dying out process. There is an overcoming process And if you do not die out to that sin, and what do I mean by die out? I mean to get to the very bottom of the issue that is in your life, whether it be lust or alcohol, whatever it is, it means totally giving that thing into the hands of God. It means to renounce it. There are some false teachers who are saying, look, all you have to do is accept Jesus and relax, and he will do all the work. No, he will not. There must be honest, heartbroken, overcoming in the spirit, not by the flesh, not by hard work, There must be an honest coming to terms with this is my sin and I repent of it, I renounce it, I will no longer walk in this. Now by the power of the Spirit of God and by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I am released from this sin. It takes some people, yes, a few minutes. I've heard of it taking pastors five or six days staying on their face before God, weeping, crying out, agonizing. Why? Because they have so much pride, so much arrogance. They think of themselves as being so important. It takes time for the Holy Spirit to uncover all of this and break it down for us. Let's be very clear. There is a required overcoming. In every one of the seven churches, he who overcomes, I will give. Overcoming means there is conflict. It means I've got to deal with my own heart before God and come into agreement with God about my situation and allow him to remove that thing from my heart. Now there is a second thing that it says in every one of these seven churches. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear. Do you have an ear today to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. The Spirit of God is saying you must overcome. Do you have an ear to hear the Spirit? You must hear what the Spirit says to you. And to hear what the Spirit is saying to you, you're going to have to turn off your television. You're going to have to stop the Game Boy. You're going to have to leave behind your entertainment, your beloved professional sports. You're going to have to turn off social media. If you're filling your heart with social media, with Facebook, and with all the other social media platforms, with your cell phone, you will not hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You are the church. We have to hear, and then we have to obey. Not by our own strength. But by the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, at this time, I've been crying out to God day after day, asking Him, What do you want me to do? Right now, I'm a dry stick. I'm a lone voice in the wilderness proclaiming what I'm saying to you today. It is not accepted in the evangelical church. It is not accepted even in the fundamentalist church. And it's certainly not accepted in the liberal congregations of the Presbyterians and the liberal Methodists. And the Episcopals, they utterly reject it. The Anglicans utterly reject it. So I am one of the lone voices in the wilderness proclaiming righteousness and repentance. A pure heart before God. So part of what he has said to me is, you prepare the way of the Lord. You proclaim this message. And so I am being obedient to the command of God to clearly and un. Mistakeably say to you, you will not enter heaven if you are not made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You must be an overcomer or you will not enter the kingdom above. The axe is already at the root of your life and you must turn from all sin, from the hit list of sins, You'll find them in Galatians. You'll find them in Revelation. Gossip, bitterness, anger, divisiveness, division. It breaks my heart how quickly men and women are offended and then walk so quickly, so inconsequentially offended their pride We've got to move beyond our pride. Salvation is a free gift. It is not earned. But there are conditions that must be met to receive that free gift. And Jesus is saying, one of the standards that you must meet is you must die out to your sin, and that's done by the power of the Holy Spirit as you allow him to work in your heart and in your life. It is done as you allow the blood of Jesus Christ to wash you and make you clean. It is not by works. Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. There's no way that's possible without the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Now, that raises the question of what has God told me to preach? And he was very specific with me. And I'm going to share that with you. The Lord spoke that to me in a dream very clearly, unmistakably, go to the book of Revel- of uh, Romans. Go to the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. This is, according to the Holy Spirit speaking to me, the message that must be proclaimed, to the church right now. By the way, he told me to speak it tenderly. He, he told me, do not condemn the church. Jesus loves the church. He died for the church. He died for the sin of mankind. And the church is the apple of his eye. He loves the church. He loves you. but, This is his message. Romans 6 is the message. Don't go to Romans 10 until you've been through Romans 6. Let's read it. Therefore sin must not reign in your mortal body, to obey it in the lust of it. How can I be any more plain than what Paul has said? The sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it. You must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from the spiritually dead men. See, the church is filled with spiritually dead people vaccinated against the gospel. They've heard a false gospel. And the Lord is now saying it is time to proclaim to the church that they must be overcomers, but not by works, by faith in Jesus, by obedience to the Holy Spirit as he empowers us by the shed blood of Jesus. This is not about works. You know that you are not saved, by a personal relationship to Jesus. You are saved by doing what he commands. And you can only do what he commands by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit as you die out to wickedness in your life. Listen. Yield yourselves to God, that is, what I just said, dying out to your sin. You yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness. That word righteousness, Dicasuni in the Greek, simply means total innocence. Yield your members as instruments of complete innocence for God. For sin will not rule over you. How many times people say to me, I can't help it. If you can't help sinning, it's because you have not been born from above yet. There is nothing more difficult to do than to try to be a Christian who is not born again. Now, it will be hard because there is an overcoming that must be accomplished. But please, if you're not able to overcome, it's because you have not yet been born from above. You must be born of the Spirit. And that requires honestly dealing with your heart, and it requires a dying out to all sin, all rebellion, all darkness. It means no longer participating in the things of the flesh, the world, or the devil. It means to be called out and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and he will accept and receive us. You see, I don't want to be loved by the world. I want to be loved by Jesus Christ. I want to be loved by his righteous church with whom I expect to spend eternity in the kingdom above. I'm not going to spend eternity with the wicked. Oh, I will do all I can to call them out of their wickedness into the fullness of Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to spend eternity with the wicked. I'm going to spend eternity with the righteous, I'm not going to spend eternity with men and women who say, I'm sorry, I was never able to overcome because they will be in the fire of hell. It breaks my heart that the modern preachers teach that Jesus' blood is inadequate, that it's no more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats. And so it just covers over our sin, but it can't give us victory. And, and then they say that when you die, you're made righteous. Whoa, wait a minute is death my savior or is Jesus my savior? Can I be very clear? There is a fight for your soul. And Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. He loves you. He died for you. Now, if it's hard... And it is sometimes very hard. It is because we still love our sin. The mark of a person, according to Romans, the sixth chapter, the full chapter, the mark of a person who has been born from above is that they now can make the choice to leave their sin. If that choice is not yours and you are swept away time after time by your sin, you must get on your face before God. And you must turn from it, fully confess your situation, and stay on your face before God until you have the victory. And then you're going to shout and sing and celebrate and praise God because he is the one who brings the victory. I don't bring the victory by my hard work. What's so hard is when you love the world. And one of our our chat people say, it's letting go of sin and also letting go of self-righteousness. My self-righteousness is as filthy rags. We can try as hard as we can in our flesh, and we can't be made righteous. To be made righteous, we must die out to our pride and to our love of darkness. See, all of us were born with the inner hatred an enmity against god and in his love and in his grace and in his mercy he comes to woo our hearts to change us i ask will you let him do that to you today Will you go to your prayer closet? Will you get on your face? And will you turn off the world, the flesh, and the devil and just do business with Jesus and stay there until you have the full victory of righteousness in Jesus Christ? Sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. And we know from Titus, Paul said that grace is what teaches us how to say no to ungodliness. What then? Verse 15. Shall we sin even once hereafter because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Now, when we're called into this place, we don't continue sinning. Now, we still can sin. We still can be tempted. First John tells us that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And that He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we don't go back to that sin again. If you go back and back and back to that sin, it's because you love that sin, and that must be changed in your heart, and it can only be changed by dying out. By Jesus, by the Spirit giving you the victory. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey, you are servants to whom you obey, whether of sin in death or of obedience in righteousness? But thanks be to God, because you used to be servants of sin, but you obeyed out from the heart a standard of teaching under which you were delivered. I am preaching a standard of righteousness to you in this desert place that I'm in. I am proclaiming to you a standard of righteousness. And having been freed from sin, you were made servants with reference to righteousness. You have been made free. You have been made free. But you must be crucified with Christ. Verse 6 knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. There are words in the Greek for suppression. There are words in the Greek for holding down. Paul uses the word for destroy, to utterly destroy. He's saying that the body of sin that you have lived in that constant giving way to the powers of darkness. Jesus has made arrangements for the old carnal nature to be utterly destroyed in you. Now, Wesley talked about this. He said, very seldom does that happen when a person just comes and repents and dies out. He says, they will still be such strong draw. To the darkness that you must now pray that you will be sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. He says it's a two-step process, but he also says that it has been done in one step. I know of people where it was done in one step, a person crying out to God, staying there, If it took an hour or if it took a week, staying there until the work is done and the victory is won. And the shouting and the praising and the preaching, it's done in the name of Jesus. So many Christians are sad today, or they're worldly, or they're depressed, or they're discouraged. That's because you're still a servant of sin. And that has to be broken. The one having died has been freed from sin. If you've not been freed from sin yet, it's because you have not yet died. And if you have not yet died and been crucified with Christ, you are not saved So I come today saying the Spirit is saying to the church, you must overcome. And he is saying to me, you must preach Romans 6 in all of its fullness. You must proclaim freedom from sin as men and women are willing to come and die out to that sin. Now, if you're filled with pride and self and arrogance and self-righteousness, I know very religious people who are utterly filled with self-righteousness, easily offended. They know they're right. It breaks my heart. The Lord is calling us to humble our hearts before him. And to get this work finished once and for all. To give up self and be filled with the spirit of the living God. To be filled to the fullness of the living God. And so I come asking you today... Do you think of yourself as dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? Do you think of yourself as an overcomer, as a victor in Jesus Christ? Do you think of yourself as one who has been given the gift of eternal salvation? That you have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are calling for your people to be overcomers. And I pray, Lord,
1: Five minutes.
0: that we will become All that you've meant for us to be. That we will no longer make any excuses for sin. That we will no longer make any excuses for our wickedness. For that is to shame you and say that your blood is not enough. That your blood doesn't have the power to wash us clean. Lord, I praise and worship you for shedding your blood on Calvary's tree. It is the most powerful thing in all of the universe. That shed blood washes clean from sin and restores and regenerates by the power of the Spirit. Lord, I thank you. Would you cause us today to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church And would you make us overcomers? I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank all of you in the live chat. I'll go through and I'll answer questions tomorrow. If you have more questions, go ahead and post them. And I'll answer more questions. One very good question is, do I agree with John Bunyan on imputed grace? I'll answer that more in detail tomorrow. John Bunyan was a Reformed Baptist. And frankly, he goes both ways. In one place, he speaks about imputed righteousness. And in another place, he speaks about total victory and overcoming all sin. Do I believe that I need that wonderful imputed righteousness for my unknown wickedness? Absolutely, that's the grace of God. But do I believe that I need the imputed grace of God for sin that the Holy Spirit has plainly shown me? You see, sin by definition, and we'll deal with this tomorrow, sin by definition is not the classical definition of missing the mark. Sin, according to the gospel writer in 1 John, sin is lawlessness. Sin is voluntary rebellion against God. Wesley said it's not mistakes, it's not infirmities, and we all make mistakes. But true sin that I'm speaking about is honest rebellion against Jesus. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd welcome your writing to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195, or you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and up in the upper right-hand corner, you can donate that this message can go out. I know it's being called for by the Spirit, and I know I'm waiting on the Spirit of God to open the way to make this message a dry stick in the American church, blossom and flourish in holiness. I love you, my brother and sister. Thank you for listening today. Invite a friend. Listen tomorrow. We'll go more deeply into this subject. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.